0: All right, good morning, New Life. How is everybody doing today? Doing wonderful? Good, 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 good. Hey, if you're listening to this, let's say it's July and you're on our on demand, you just need to know we are all freezing cold. It is a blizzard here in February in Nebraska, but you guys made it out, so give yourself a hand. You dug your way out. I'm glad that you are here. My name is Chris, I'm one of the pastors, and uh, it's just a delight. Is it a delight? It's a delight. It is a delight to be with you today. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus here in Kearney and North Platte. And a couple times a year, we de-link with North Platte. Today's one of those days. So Pastor Dave is, is speaking live. And then you guys here at the Kearney campus and online, you get me. All right? So. All right. <laughs> We are in week number three of our teaching series that's entitled uncomfortable. And so I want to ask you, I mean, what makes you uncomfortable? I'm going to give you a couple of questions. So just by a show of hands, participate if you're listening online at home, would you rather be hot or cold? How many would rather be hot? You'd rather be hot than, okay. How many would rather be cold? I, I got my hand raised. I was just in, faking it the other time. I'd rather be cold. So one more time, you'd rather be, you'd rather be hot How many cold people? All right. All right. Well, I have a couple pictures maybe just to stir up what might make some people uncomfortable. See if you can identify with this. How many are afraid of heights? And that would make you uncomfortable. You know, standing on top of the Sears Tower in Chicago, looking down from the observation deck, how many of you that just makes your knees feel weak, right? It does that to me. How about this? Does this make you feel uncomfortable? (laughs) That's worse than heights to me. I would not even fit where that guy fits, but still. (laughs) That is uncomfortable. How about this picture? How many are uncomfortable just looking at that? All right, what about this one? I just want want to know, those that I could see, raise your hand. How many clowns make you uncomfortable? Raise your hand. All right, there's some. I know, that's a real thing. Clownophobia, I think it's called. All right, what about this one? I had to experience that a lot in the last couple of weeks. The dentist, how many, the dentist yeah. makes you uncomfortable? Well, one of the things that we all have in common, as far as what makes us uncomfortable is pain, right? When we experience pain, pain is uncomfortable. Inherent in the name, right? Or in what it is, it makes us uncomfortable. Well, recently I was experiencing some just intense pain. Uh, pain in my face, and it lasted for a couple weeks. In fact, I ended up going to the hospital for it. It was so intense, and my, my first diagnosis, the first diagnosis that I got from the doctor, they come and they tell me what it is, and they decide to print out the description of what this condition is, and the very first line, I kid you not, the very first line in this condition, it says, this, this condition, it says the name, is also known as the most painful condition known to man, right? The most painful thing known to man. And so I was agreeing with that as I was reading it, and I finally was able to use the phrase that every guy wants to use with their wife. I said, honey, this is worse than? Worse than childbirth, right? And I was finally able to use that. Come to find out I did not have that condition. Something else entirely. So being able to use that legitimately was short-lived. And so you know, there there are thing Pain can make us un- feel uncomfortable, physical pain, but there's other kinds of pain. And I I want you to do something, a, a practice, just a, a little exercise with me. I want you to meet the gaze of somebody else that's not sitting right by you. Look around the room. If you're online, just kind of meet my gaze, all right? Or look at whoever's in the room with you. Look at somebody. Okay, that person that you're looking at, they're a person. An imperfect person, for sure, but think about this, as imperfect as they are, they have this incredible ability to annoy you, right? (laughs) And before you get too smug, they were looking at you too, right? (laughs) And so today we are going to talk about uncomfortable relationships, Uncomfortable relationships. So I, I love, I, at first, when Pastor Jeff told us the title of this series, I, I didn't really, I just got to be honest, I didn't like it at first. But I've come to really like it. I really like it. Because uh, when you think about the title, Uncomfortable, to a teaching series, and, and all the messages we've been giving you, at first glance, it sounds like a very odd value for a church to ascribe to, right? Like, what if our guarantee had to do with this. You know how businesses have guarantee will not be undersold, you know, things like that. What if the church, our church had this guarantee and the guarantee was come to new life and you too can be uncomfortable, right? <laughs> and that was our whole thing. Come to new life, come follow Jesus and be uncomfortable. Well, actually we do have a guarantee. Really, it's a, it's a promise or a commitment and, and here it is. And I want you to actually read it with me, everybody that's here listening online. I know it's kind of weird when you're sitting alone online, but read it out loud and with me. Here we go. We will love you where you are and journey with you to the center of God's will. How many like that as a guarantee or a promise that we as a church are making to one another and to others? We will love you where you are and journey with you to the center of God's will. If you've been around New Life, you you hear that from time to time. You hear that quite a bit. That's really our promise. Now, here's the thing about that, that journeying to the center of God's will is actually a process of maturing. Journeying to the center of God's will is really, in other words, it's a a growth process. And that maturing process, that growth process involves God and involves people, and it can be very painful. In fact, often growth, uh, pain comes with or accompanies growth. That's why we call it growing pains. That's not just one of the greatest TV shows that we ever was. That's a real thing, growing pains. Growing is painful. Alright? And so we need to grow. If we're going to uh, grow to the center of God's will, uh, will, we need to grow in our life. And that whole idea of maturing and growth, I want you to think back if you're older than 25, uh, if you're older than 20, think back to when you were a teenager, just entering those teen years. And we, we wrestled with this innocent tension of wanting to grow up, let's say you're 13, 14 years old, you'll wanna grow up, but you also still are in that zone where you don't wanna grow up, you know what I mean? I remember when I was 14, and man, I really wanted to grow up and get my license. And let's just face it, guys, we wanted to get our license, why? So that we could go on a date, right? That's why we wanna get our license. Yeah, there's freedom and all that, but we wanted to go on a date. Um, and so I wanted to grow up, but then we had this place, it's kinda like Chuck E. Cheese, but it's called Showbiz Pizza in Kansas City, where I grew up. Uh, how many Chuck E. Cheese people? Okay. How many people ever heard of Showbiz Pizza? A couple of you. All right. So hopefully you understand. But this is kind of like if you're from Kearney, the Big Apple Fun Center. A little bit like that. Now, before this uh, feature exhibit experience, I think, is outlawed to this day. But we had something like this. The ball pit, all right? How many are old enough to remember the ball pit before we decided that, that this is where this is a petri dish, right? <laughs> For all kinds of things kids to pick up. And I remember being 14 at Showbiz Pizza and jumping in the ball pit at 14, which you shouldn't be doing at 14, and all the little kids crying with the big kids jumping in there. But there's this innocent kind of tension. I want to grow up, but I I don't want to change. I want to stay a kid. Well, there can be the same type of tension as as we follow Jesus that we know that we need to grow. We know that we need to mature, but the pain of that often uh, keeps us at bay from embracing that process and see God's plan for you. If you're a Christ follower is for you to mature, to grow. And he wants to, he, uh, he designed for that to happen in the context of relationships, specifically in the environment of the local church. And if you're a Christian, we too often, and I, I'm saying this based on my experience my, uh, personally and my experience with other people, we too often think of spiritual growth simply vertically, that it's me and God, it's just me and God, me and my Bible, or my Bible and me, to put it in proper English for those of you. All right, it's, it's God and me, And and we need to get this, that spiritual growth is not just vertical, it's horizontal too. Our spiritual growth happens in the context context of relationship with God, but also with other people. That's how we grow. In fact, the number one statistical predictor of spiritual growth, okay, is the number of close, intimate Christian friendships you have. That's the number one statistical predictor. If you're going to grow spiritually is if you have a network of close Intimate, And we're not talking that you need a hundred of those. You need a number of those, a small number of those, but the qualifier is close, intimate Christian friends. Why? Because you could argue, well, reading the Bible is, is more catalytic, which it is. Engaging in God's word is more catalytic. But we talk, when we talk about statistical predictor, we're talking about people that are engaged in Christian friendships are more apt, like a life group, they're more apt to be engaging in God's word. Now, sometimes people can cause pressure or pain, and that discomfort is meant to mature us, right? They cause us pressure and pain, but God wants to use that to grow us. And many, many years ago, long time ago, so long ago you won't believe this story when I tell you, but I used to, <laughs> I used to play football. I used to be an athlete a long time ago, Right? I remember going off to university to play, uh, to play football, and we went a couple of weeks before all the other students showed up, and we had these two, this two-week intense two-a-day practice every single day. In between the practices, we were in the weight room. And the coaches, I, I think we all felt like we were Navy SEALs, right? That we were, they were trying to get us to quit. And we were put through this intense two-a-day training regimen and the reason why, one of the reasons why was not just to accelerate our, you know, our fitness strategy to get us more fit, It was really to rattle us so that we would see to make us uncomfortable, past uncomfort, so that we were rattled to the point where we would embrace a regular regimen of engaging the process of practice and fitness. And in light of that, it's somewhat, to me, a metaphor of what this series is all about. If you are a follower of Jesus, this series is designed really to make you uncomfortable. If you're a Christ follower, we want you to be uncomfortable as we process through some of these things. And the reason is that when we wrestle with those feelings that we have of being uncomfortable, it helps us to zero in on that area of our life that we need to grow, to mature. Because we can get stuck. As Christians, we can get stuck in the complacency of comfort. We can get stuck wanting me to be first, we, we could get stuck wanting to design church to happen my way. And in fact, when a church and when a collectively a church, a group of people gets so focused on self and my way, that church actually begins to, begins to cease looking like the biblical picture of a church. And in fact, churches all across our nation today are declining or actually closing and one of the symptoms or pre, the symptoms that, pre, uh, the pre, that, that, that came before that was this me first, my way mentality. So we want to combat that, and to do that, we've got to be uncomfortable. If you're exploring Christ today and you're, you're just trying to check out and you're maybe on the verge of surrendering your life to Jesus, this series is really a picture of what the church is supposed to and following Jesus is supposed to be all about. In fact, today, before you leave this place. One of our pastors is going to invite you into a relationship with Jesus Christ and give you an opportunity to trust him today. If you're listening online at home or you're traveling today, before you shut down the stream, you will have an opportunity to pray a prayer to trust Christ and we will celebrate that with you. So if you're, if you're exploring Jesus, this is really just a picture. What does it mean to follow Jesus? But for everyone, you need to know this, following Jesus is daily dethroning self. In fact, if I can sum up the whole big idea today, it's this. It's dethroning self because humility, relational humility with meekness is the flywheel of spiritual growth. It's the thing that's going to get that ramped up and going in your life. So as a Christian, we need to get this idea. And this is really setting up up the, the predicament today. That as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I have these two opposing realities that are going on in my life one of them is the sinful man you might have heard the word carnal it's the carnal man but it's the sinful man it's the natural man it's the part of me that is selfish that's self focused that wants it my way that wants to do things independent and then we if you're a christian you have a spirit man you have a, the spiritual part of you that god said when you trust christ he puts his spirit inside of you and gives you a new spirit it's the part of you that connects with god that, lives forever it's a part of you that is humble that's led by the holy spirit himself it's the part of you that connects with god when you come to to church and maybe you feel moved or the emotion that's deeper than just you know um, seeing something that moves you it's something deeper that moves you that's your spirit that's connecting with god and so we have these two realities as a christian that are in conflict with one another. The Bible describes it this way in Galatians 5.17: the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. The Apostle Paul was writing this to Christians who were knew this reality. They were They had come into God's kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul himself many times addresses this conflict, this battle that's raging. So you need to know that this is a real thing. If you're a follower of Jesus or you're checking that idea out, this is a real tension. This is a real struggle. But if you read on in Galatians 5, you will find out that that tension and discomfort is intended to grow you is intended to mature you, namely by you surrendering and recognizing if I go my way, it's gonna end bad. But if I surrender to God's way, if I surrender to the Holy Spirit's leading, then I can grow and mature. The other thing I want to, to say to you, as just keep this in mind during this whole series, is this whole idea of uncomfortable, being uncomfortable, is not an idea that following Jesus means misery. That you know, when you're invited to follow Jesus, it's a life of unhappiness, it's a life of burden, it's a life of misery. You know, people think that Jesus came to take away your fun. You know, following Jesus, Jesus did not come to take away your fun, he came to take away your pain. The goal of the series Uncomfortable is this, that the self-centered version of me, the sinful nature version of me, that he would be very uncomfortable if he is trying to sit on the throne as Lord and leader in my life, which I gotta tell you for me, I'm not gonna speak for you, but for me, that is an almost daily issue where that self-centered sinful nature, part of me desires to resurrect itself once again and be the Lord and leader of my life. And so if that is happening, I need to daily dethrone him, recognizing what makes me uncomfortable, and today specifically when it comes to relating with other people, recognizing that allows me to, with the Holy Spirit's help, diagnose the areas of my life that I need the Holy Spirit to build his fruit in me, to mature me, and so we're all here today, we're listening to a message, and we're kind of this this example as we gather together of the body of Christ the church the collective family and i love the way the message explains why we're here and and the goal is that we would all be moving rhythmic, moving moving rhythmically that was i was going to say that's very poetic but it just didn't come out so <laughs> gracefully there but moving rhythmically and easily with each other efficient and graceful in response to god's son isn't that beautiful of what we are to be, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. We are to be this group of people that's in rhythm with one another. And one of the descriptions is that we are growing to full maturity. That's a picture of what the body of Christ is. And in fact, the the context of that is why did God give spiritual leaders in the church is so that we would be engaged In the process of ministry, that we would become that. So that's another subject, but this is a great descriptor of the church. Another way we say that, and we say this around new life all the time, is that we are better together. Everybody say that with me? We are better together. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him that. We are better together. I am better with you. And I am better with you. And you're better with me, right? And so the whole idea of the church is we are better together. Another idea of it is is this, a way that we could say it, is growing people change. Growing people grow up. They mature. And so when we think of this, the Bible puts the church, it gives us several pictures of the church. One of them, one metaphor is the body of Christ. And the Bible draws this comparison of the church as the body of Christ to the human body and says that the human body has many parts and we can get that and understand that many parts that make up the whole body and it says so it is with the body of Christ and then Paul in 1 Corinthians goes on to say so God put each and every part of the body together as he wanted it how could it be a body if it only had one part so there are many parts but one body God brought together put every part just the way he wanted it now as I read through this scripture and prayed through this passage, it really is kind of the hub of the talk today. One of the things that God began to stir in my heart that's so very important to this idea of being uncomfortable, relational as it relates to the church, is this just very challenging. This is going to come across very challenging, all right, to some of you. But the truth is that you will get stuck in your spiritual growth, you will get stuck in the kingdom of God, you will get stuck at New Life Church if you can't deal with this, that everyone is needed and wanted. Everyone is needed and wanted. In fact, say that with me if you would. Everyone is needed and wanted. That sounds really good, but let's think about it. I mean, is it really everyone? (laughs) I mean, I get that normal people like me are needed and wanted, But what about, what about the annoying people? What about the guy at Life Group that just knows everything, right? The know-it-all guy that anytime there's a subject that comes up, he just has to, you know, Jesus-juke everybody, you know, with his knowledge. What about the obnoxious people? What about the person that is really annoying to you, and you're at you're trying to get your coffee right before church, and you see them out of the corner of your eye, and you're just you just can't wait to fill that coffee up and get out of there, so you don't have to engage him. Is it really true that everyone is needed and wanted? Well, let's let's define that, let's expound upon that. Because at new life, everyone is needed and wanted. In God's family, everyone is needed and wanted. So, what does it mean that everyone is wanted? That everyone is welcome, that everyone is valued. You're wanted, everyone is loved. Why? Because we see people created in the image of God, imperfect, sinful, flawed, but created in the image of God. God created them to be known. God created them that they would be known by himself and by us. Those of you who are exploring Christ, you need to know this, you need to embrace this truth that God wants you, he wants you to be a part of his church. The Bible says in 2 Peter, the Lord is patient for your sake. He doesn't want to destroy anyone, but wants all people to have an opportunity to turn to him and change the way they think and act. God's very heart is this about you, that he wants you. He wants you to have a relationship with himself. He wants to save you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to know that he wants you. Sometimes we can be in the church a long time and lose sight of this truth, the feeling of this truth, living out this truth that God wants me, that God desires to know me. And God desires that I would grow in him. Everyone is needed. Everyone is needed. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are needed. One reason that you're needed, we say this a lot around New Life, and that it's this statement that everyone has a gift to share. God has gifted you, he has shaped you, he has designed you, he, and he designed you to fit perfectly within the body of Christ. That's why that you're needed. And when your gift and when your talent and your spiritual gift and natural gifts are not engaged in the body of Christ, something is missing. The body is not complete. The body is not complete. And so uncomfortable, you know, I, I, I can become uncomfortable because, you know, I want to be wanted. I'm okay with being wanted, right? How many like to be wanted? Uh, Married people, you want your spouse to want you, to want to be with you, want to spend time with you. And so it, it might be that you're okay with being wanted, but you can become very uncomfortable when God asks you or spiritual leadership asks you to play your part in the body of Christ. And that makes me very uncomfortable. But God designed his church to work that way. Look what Ephesians 4 says. He, that's God, He makes the whole body fit together and unites it through the support of every joint as each and every part, that's you, that's me, does its job. He makes the body grow so that builds itself up in love. The body grows and builds itself up in love as each part engages. You are needed. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are needed because you have the gift. You have a gift that God's given you to share. So you're needed. You're wanted, why don't you just say that, I'm needed and wanted. Come on, embrace that. If you're considering surrendering to Jesus today, you need to know that you are wanted and you're needed. At New Life, you are welcome, valued, loved, you're wanted, you're wanted by God. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to embrace this. You are wanted and you are needed, but all of us need to now flip it around because we've been talking about ourselves and trying to wrestle with, okay, I'm wanted and needed, but think of others. God has a place for them. Even the people that annoy you. Even the people that God wants to use to grow you. God wants them and needs them. So I must, the challenge is, I must allow God to change me from the inside out so that I have the capacity to love them in spite of how uncomfortable they make us feel. They make me feel. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians talking about the differences that can create discomfort. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Now, this is talking to the church, those who have put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying to these Christians is, and how it relates to us today, is that we're not all the same, right? Right? But regardless of our background, our nationality, our politics, regardless of whether or not we grew up to church or we are very new Christian, if you're a Christ follower, God himself brought you into his family. You are a part of his family. But the reality of this, because that sounds very good and idealistic, the reality of living in community with people, even people that are Christians, are supposed to love God, especially those that are different than me or people that are at a different spiritual growth stage than me, people that struggle with things that are different than me. The reality is it can be very difficult living in that type of relationship with one another because there's disagreements, right? There's falling outs, there's uncomfortable moments, there's frustrations, and it can be tempting to leave, to just leave. To find another church that's decidedly more just like me, that thinks like me, that acts like me, that makes me more comfortable. Now, there are toxic environments. That's a real thing. And there's time that wisdom would call you to set boundaries or to perhaps even leave. But in general, when it comes to the challenges and it comes to discomfort relationally, God does not give you and he does not give me that option to just leave. If we do it, we are doing it out of full-on rebellion to God. Here's what we need to remember because we get idealistic about church. We need to remember that this is not heaven. This is earth. We're still in process. And so rather than searching for a church full of people that look and think and act and smell and all those things like you, like me, I just need to grow up. I need to allow God to use those differences to mature me, to help me to go. I need to realize that that church probably doesn't even exist. And even if it did, it wouldn't be the church that I needed. Because embracing the tension of being part of a church family, a community, teaches me how to love God and love other people. That's the type of church family I need. So I'm going to give you a couple practical biblical things to put into practice when it comes to these types of relational growing pains. The first of all, we need to be aware of our triggers because we all have things that trigger us, right? When it comes to people, be aware of those things and resolve in advance. That's the key. Resolve in advance to do this. Instead of reacting, ask God how you should respond and rehearse it in advance. So I'm gonna decide in advance. I'm not gonna react. I know what those things are that come up relationally that trigger me that caused me to react, caused my sinful nature to want to react. I'm going to respond the way God wants me to respond because there's this sinful, sinful man and spiritual man, remember? And oftentimes when we're triggered, when something happens that irritates us, the default can oftentimes, the muscle memory response can be our sinful response. It's that reflex that happens. Maybe it's becoming angry. And there's some people that when you get angry, you explode. And some people that you kind of shrink in, you implode. How many, expl- let's just be confession. How many exploders when it comes to anger? All right, that's me, more. How many imploders? All right. I like the exploders a little more, all right. Because the home that I grew up in, it was just that way. If you're mad, I want to hear it. Don't, passive aggressive, man, that, that makes me explode, right? And So we all need Jesus and we're in various degrees. Levels of needing him when it comes to our anger. But look what the Bible says about anger in Proverbs. It says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Now, the deal is so we can read that and say, okay, there's times I need to overlook an offense and be slow to anger, however that comes out in my life. But that sounds, again, idealistic because we oftentimes wait to the moment of the trigger to try to figure out how to respond that way. It's too difficult to unlearn my sinful response to others in the heat of the moment. That's why you need to connect with God daily. This is not just a self-help thing. You need to connect with God every single day. In fact, beyond that, that's a foundation. It's the most important, but you need to connect every single weekend to worship, coming together in worship, relationally, connecting here at the Carney campus, at the North Platte campus, or wherever you, your church home is, connect week, every weekend. You need to go deeper into biblical community. We call it life groups. You need to connect in those environments. And you, if you're a Christian, you have got to connect in your place of serving. Those are the environments that God's gonna help you grow. The most important thing, though, is connecting with God daily in God's word, asking God by his Holy Spirit to change you from the inside out to develop his fruit in you. And if you read Galatians chapter five, it talks about all the fruit of the spirit. Every single one of them has a direct impact on relationships. In fact, most of them are, 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 are just obviously, that's where you see them expressed. God wants to develop his fruit and you change you from the inside out. And so if you find yourself uncomfortable with people, the solution is to ask the Holy Spirit to mature you, to grow you. And guess what he, do? he will do? He will do that. He will develop his fruit in you, and it's going to come out. It's going to be refined in relationships. Another thing that's so very important, instead of getting even, how many like to get even? How many people are just justice-type people? on that. Instead of getting even, ask God to enable you to forgive quickly. Oh, that's a tough one. Well, this is where we need to, it's not just, okay, I'm going to, instead of getting even, I know next time, I'm going to forgive them. No, we got to ask God for that ability, that supernatural ability to forgive. And Colossians says it this way, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Now there are times when we simply, we have to have patience with one another. We need to bear with one another. We need to, in other words, overlook an offense. I heard this story about a man who was on a train in New York City and the cart was empty the next thing he you knows, you know, they go through one of the, the train stations and they picks up some other passengers and it's a father, obviously, with three young children and they come in and the kids are just, you know, wild and rambunctious, running around the train car. And the guy that was already there was getting kind of annoyed as the train was going because the father wasn't doing anything. He was just letting the kids act up. How many, how many with me? That's a little annoying. Okay, so he's getting annoyed and finally, it gets to a point where the man, you know, at the end of his long work day, he just wants a quiet train ride home. He finally confronts the father and says, hey, can you please get your kids under control? And he says to the man, he said, I'm sorry. And he addresses the kids, but the next thing you know, the guy, the the father is just sitting there, not even looking at the kids and they're going nuts. And so this guy is starting to boil on the inside to the point where it reached its limit and he just went off on this father. And the father just hung his head as he took the tongue lashing from this guy. And when he got done, he apologized. He said, I'm sorry. He said, we just came from the hospital and my wife, their mom just died. And we don't know how to deal with it. They're they're young. They don't understand it. I don't know how to deal with it. And so I'm sorry. So just imagine if you were the guy that just went off, how you would feel in that moment, right? Humiliated embarrassed you see there are sometimes things going underneath the surface that don't make sense to us that we don't understand we don't know about now for sure there's times that we were we are sinned that if someone sins against us and God calls us to forgive quickly sometimes there's things that if we would just know the backstory it would enable us to love people and forgive more quickly the next thought so very important is this instead of promoting self be kind I dressed this up from my original, the original way that I wanted to say it, because originally I, my thought was this, don't be a jerk, don't be a jerk, and because this, instead of promoting self, be kind, comes from Philippians, it says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, and so I read that to, to say, don't be a jerk, okay, so some of you can get more out of that. Be humble, think of others as better than yourself. Instead of uh, you know, promoting self and being arrogant, right? Consider others as better than yourself. And don't do anything with the motivation of selfish ambition or, or vanity being conceited, but be kind. Once again, this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, God himself shaping you from the inside and it's refined and revealed in the context of relationships. So once again, I want you to do this exercise and I want you to find... Meet the eyes of someone else in the room. If you're listening online, I see you. Come on, find somebody. And I want you to think about this. You can look back up here, but just kind of remember their face in your mind. They are loved by God. They were created in God's image. God knit them together in their mother's womb, Psalm 139. Every single day of their life, he has planned. he has numbered. They're loved by God. Just as much as you are loved by God, they have purpose. Jesus went to the cross for them. If you're sitting next to your spouse, no matter what maybe you're walking through, whether it's a good time or it's a challenging time, just grab their hand. And I want you to think about this. He or she created in God's image, loved by God, has purpose, has value. I want you to ask God, Maybe the person that makes you uncomfortable is not here today, but ask God, God, give me a genuine, authentic love for those that you have planned for me to journey with. And remember this, this is a powerful truth. And when I can't remember who came up with something, I attribute it to myself or to Pastor Jeff because he comes up with good things, but it's this hurting people hurt people. You know, when we understand that and it enables us to have grace, to pray, to forgive more quickly, get to know someone's backstory and then consider them above yourself. That doesn't mean that you think less of yourself, but you think of yourself less and the Holy Spirit will enable us to all grow rhythmically and efficiently enjoying God's grace as we mature. Let's stand and let's pray. God, thank you that you love us, that you called us to journey not alone, but you said you would never leave us. You want to walk with us. You want relationship with us. Thank you that you also put people in our life, people that, friends that bring great joy, that season life, and relationships and friendships that challenge us to become more like you. So God, may we embrace that process. God, I pray right now for my friends that are listening online or right here today, that today is their day to surrender to you. God, may they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you want them, that you need them, that you're calling out to them, you're inviting them into relationship. And I pray before they, before they make another move today, that they would talk to you, they would surrender their life to you, putting their faith and trust in you. May we all collectively, God, take a move towards you one step closer to you. May we love each other unconditionally. May we forgive quickly. May we put others above ourself. May we not react according to our sinful nature, but according to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.